Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. Buzz Eisenberg is away. I want to share with you something that moved me. And this occurred the last time that Duke Goldman was in the studio. And he mentioned an article that was just, just published in the Washington Post titled The Concussion Files, The Broken Promises of the NFL Concussion Settlement. I had been under the impression that the NFL had come to a settlement with its players and its past players so that those who had been hurt uh, through these concussions in their playing days, uh, in fact, were being compensated and were being taken care of. And there were billions of dollars. And, well, the NFL had taken it upon itself with the settlement, forced, forced into it, to do right by their players. And what I read in this Washington Post piece, the concussion files, the broken promises of the NFL concussion settlement, was absolutely appalling. And it struck me that here we were with tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of people uh, screaming at their television sets one way or the other at the Super Bowl, and we're rooting on these gladiators, and they are being hurt. Their brains are being wrecked their lives will be destroyed, at least a certain percentage of them. This article was brought to my attention by Duke Goldman, as I mentioned. Duke Goldman is a sports and social justice expert based here in Northampton. In fact, teaches a course to high school students in the summer at UMass Amherst titled exactly that, Sports and Social Justice. Duke Goldman, I would appreciate your sharing with us this article, what it says, what you think, and how it came about. So for me, I have a long story to tell about my own um, uh, disaffection with football. And, and I feel like I've made a mistake recently on radio talking about baseball. I talked about how my favorite second of the year is the one right after the end of the Super Bowl. But I realized that, you know, the NFL is America's game. Let's face it. And... Everybody follows it, and, and I, too, and, used to follow it. And, I was a rabid football fan. And not just the NFL, college football, yes. high school football. Yes. We have kids smashing their helmets and their heads into each right. other and to right. hard objects beginning yes. at a very early age. And like so many people, I grew up with that. I watched it avidly. And I had a pathway away from football, okay? It started for me on November nineteenth, 1978. And I was in my freshman year at New York University. I was sitting in uh, my friend John Norris's dorm room. John Norris is somebody who later was on MTV in its early days, but he was a friend of mine freshman year. And I was watching my team, the New York Giants, play the Philadelphia Eagles. And it was the end of the game. It was right around 4 p.m. The Giants were leading 17 to 12, and their great quarterback, clueless Joe Pasarczyk, decided in his infinite wisdom to hand off a ball instead of sitting on it to Larry Zonka. And guess what? That ball did not get into Larry Zonka's hands. It was scooped up by Herman Edwards, who ran into the end zone. The Philadelphia Eagles won a game that by all rights should have belonged to the Giants, and the Eagles went to the playoffs, and the Giants did not. And 
I sat there stunned. I was just reading about this game, which is known as the fumble or the mistake at the Meadowlands. And Harry Carson was one of their gladiators, one of their great um, linemen. He said he sat stunned for 15 minutes after that game. Well, I also did. I sat there stunned at the idea that here I was at freshman year college in New York University in Greenwich Village, and I was wasting my Sunday sitting around watching a sport where people could do something just as stupid as Joe Pisarczyk did. Okay, so we have a quarterback who made a mistake that lives in the memory of all people who follow this sport. But beyond that, I thought actually you were going to get to something that occurred around that time, maybe a few years earlier, which was a television segment, a show, a special, called The Violent World of Sam Huff, the New York Giants uh, uh, linebacker. Um, and it showed the violent world of Sam Huff in a way that <clears throat> you would have thought, looking back, I would have thought would have appalled people, but thrilled people, the violent world that we watch every Sunday. And that's why we watch it, because it's violent. Well, at least in part. In all honesty, that was a little before my time. I think that episode aired in the 1960s, if I recall correctly. So I've seen you know, mentions of it. Um, my awakening in that realm was reading the book Out of Their League by a player named Dave Megacy. And Dave Megacy was a linebacker for the St. Louis Cardinals back when they were a football team. And he wrote a book right around 1970 all about what football players went through to get from one Sunday to the next and how after their Sunday play, they spent Monday and Tuesday, in particular, recovering from all their injuries. And then they were exhorted to play no matter what. Play, play, play. Play through your injuries. And Megacy, who was, had been radicalized by the Vietnam War and you know, was, was you know, a progressive, also decided, I'm not going to play football anymore. He quit at the peak of his career and said, this sport is, is violent this sport is not good for me, and it's not good for America. Reading that book was an awakening for me, probably similar to what you're talking about. And yet, similarly, I think so many people, instead of recoiling from that, read that and perhaps said, hey, wow, this is great. Like they, These, these, these uh, individuals are beating each other up, and I love watching it. I think people actually, there's a positive spin on this, um, which is people admire the courage. Mm -hmm. They admire the people who can take the physical punishment and then come back and do it again and don't give up and have this drive for not only to win but for excellence and for the stamina and the uh, fortitude that it takes to do that. And we admire that. I mean, it, there, there's a positive aspect of this, but people get hurt. Players get hurt. People, players have been hurt egregiously, and the NFL says, well, you now suffer from dementia because you played football? Well, that's too bad. You actually can't get paid because we have a very high standard that we've imposed in this settlement to say you can't get paid. Even though your doctor says you have dementia, lots of people say you have dementia, and people point to this as football-related because you're 40 years old. The NFL and its doctors says in many cases, tough, you get no money. Figure out how to live your life. Yeah, so – what I would say about that is these football players are wounded warriors, you know, and we have that problem in our society as well. Wounded warriors, veterans, they come back wounded, and what do we do for them? 
oftentimes we deny them coverage. We don't give them enough. We don't take care of them. These players are also wounded warriors. And what happens to them is first their body gets destroyed, then their mind gets destroyed by CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And then finally, <coughs> their soul gets destroyed. And what you read about these players, and it's many case studies are in this uh, Washington Post um, investigation of families who were just absolutely ripped to shreds by what happened to these players, because these players demonstrate aggressive, angry behavior when they are in the throes of this dementia. And so many players get that. And what does the NFL do? Well, I have a new name for the NFL. I am going to start calling them the NFL DC. Why? Not has nothing to do with Washington DC. What it is is the NFL doesn't care. And not only that, the NFL denies claims. Well, explain that to us, if you would, please, Duke Goldman. There is a settlement, and everyone celebrated billions of dollars for players who have been hurt. But and it does cover some. It, it also denies lots and lots of right. players their legitimate right. claims because of a standard set forth in this settlement that says even though you have dementia, even though your doctors say you have dementia, even though experts say you have dementia, and even though this is clearly related to playing football, well, we're going to deny your claim anyway and we can get away with it and save hundreds of millions, actually billions of dollars, because the hundreds of billions that we make every year from this game, from fans, that just we want to keep it for us, the owners, and for the players who gave us and gave us these billions and earned it for us, well, tough on them. That's how it's really working. Yes, that is how it's working. So, yeah, Dan? I have a, a question about this. Um, the NFL is trying to reduce the number of concussions. They now have concussion protocol. They're trying to study the helmets and the impacts and see what can be done about it. Is there any hope in that? And then my other question is, or is the way to fix this more fundamentally the game has to change, or can it be fixed? Well, what I would say about that is, from everything I've read, and I'm not an expert on this, they've made very little progress on that. Because let's face it, you've got 300-plus pound players pounding on each other, play after play after play, and the brain jiggles around, and they have not come up with helmets that really stop that from happening. And the research they've done indicates that it's not these massive concussions that cause so much of what ends up being this dementia. It's the subconcussive hits, the constant pounding, the years and years and years of slams that may not lead to a player walking around not knowing who they are, not remembering the second half. Those are the ones we hear about. It's all of that damage and that the, they do not have technology. And I'm not sure that they ever will that's going to do very much about that. So when we see and hear the players now being taken into the tent on the sideline for a uh, concussion protocol to go through that, you're saying that that's not actually the point. The point is the other players still on the field who on the next play will pound that helmet into someone else. They're all in the process of 
potentially developing CTE, whether it's the, 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 the guy on the sidelines who's been knocked woozy is the canary in the coal mine, as the expression goes. You know, it's everybody else as well. It's every single player on that field. We have seen in recent times certain football players who've retired after two or three years of their career. Why? Because they've figured out that the longer they play football, the more likely it is that all the accumulation of all of these impacts is going to destroy them. So what does the NFL do? Well, the NFL did something. I used to teach about this in my marketing classes. What so many people do when which, something's which you wrong. Taught, which you taught where? At, at UMass. Okay, I taught marketing for years. And one of my favorite lessons was to talk about in the business context, and let's face it, the NFL is big business. What do businesses do when something is, is demonstrated that shows that they've really been doing wrong? What do they usually do first? Denial, right? The first thing they do is say, no, we didn't do anything wrong. Right, and that's what the NFL did. The NFL denied for years, it. for years and years and years. Um, people, there was a movie out about a doctor named Dr. Bennett Omalu, who was one of the early people to discover the direct linkage between football play and this this uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And the NFL denied that there was a connection. So much like you know, what what does that remind me of? It reminds me of the tobacco companies who said there's no link between cigarettes and cancer, or the climate deniers who say there's no link between all of the pollutants we pour into the air and the change in the planet. Right. I still remember the hearing in front of the Congress uh, where the seven CEOs of the tobacco companies all were there to testify, and they all under oath said, I do not believe that cigarettes have any relationship to cancer or lung cancer. They all said that under oath. And it was, well, let's just... Let that yeah, sit well, there for a while. So the NFL did something similar, okay? What they did was they found and paid, highly paid, certain medical experts who said, no, the linkage is really not proven. It's really not football, blah, blah, blah. And they dragged that out for years until finally somebody said to them quietly, you know what? You're wrong. So they did the next thing that people do after denial once they've been forced to admit that something's wrong. And they said... Yeah, I'm it's mis- all fixed up now. We got better helmets. Well, and, uh, everything, everything's good, yeah, and, and, and we'll take care of the players. Yeah, but and they they did that with the what I call the mistakes were made statement. You know, where did those mistakes come from? I don't know. You know, yeah, mistakes were made, and we'll, we'll do something about it, and everything will be fine, and everybody can forget about it. And the NFL is still in the mistakes were made category. They're not getting to the next step. The next step is we made mistakes, and you know they're de- not even going to do that. And then the final step is I made a mistake. Roger Goodell, the NFL's commissioner, should be out there saying I made a mistake. But he's not doing it, and they're not doing it. And you know what? They're lawyers and they're doctors. And by the way, I don't even think the NFL Players Association is holding them accountable enough to say, you guys are putting these football players through misery, their families through misery, and you're not compensating them for what they went through. And then it becomes our public all of us are out there. Does America care about its gladiators? Is it enough to just say, hey, they, they knew the risk they were taking? No, they did not know the risk they were taking. And now they are not being made whole or anything close to it. And the NFL and their lawyers and their doctors are not doing enough. And they're denying approximately 55% of those claims. Wow, 55%. Yes. And all of those people have a medical diagnosis that they submit saying, 
I am suffering. They, they are submitting medical diagnoses. The NFL claims, for instance, this is another part of the lack of accountability, that there are a lot of fraud cases. Oh, People that are, are making the claim and they just see that the money train is going along and so, you know, I'm going to get my piece of it and I'm going to fake that I have the problem. Well, um, the Washington Post investigated that. They found little or no evidence of that. What's really happening is the lawyers involved with the NFL set up up a standard of dementia that is in the the language of the lawyer representing the players, who, by the way, is not um, um, guilt-free either, a notch above the standard definition of dementia. Which gives the NFL the ability to deny players who have this massive injury, brain injury, caused by the sport, which made the owners billions and allows the owners to keep hundreds of millions of dollars that should be paid to the players. I have a question on how we, the the viewing public that supports this sport, allows this to go on in our name. We'll continue this conversation right after this. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with sports and social justice expert Duke Goldman. I want your perspective, if you would, please, on why we are so blind to what we're doing. How can we, in effect, be so uncaring of these people whose lives are being destroyed to entertain us. It seems antithetical to how we think of ourselves as, as a country, as, as a people, as a community. But there it is. Every Sunday for weeks and weeks and months and months every year. And we support it by looking at it, by going to the games, by buying the merchandise, by making the owners billions of dollars. And the players, well, they can live for decades without any support in horrifying situations that affects not only them, but their families. And I think it comes back to what we look to sports for. And for so many of us, sports is an escape from reality. And so for many people, they want to put the problems of life aside and have that, those few hours in front of the TV where they can just sit there and root on their team. And not that there's anything really wrong with that, except... We have to remember sports is life, and in life, people are involved. These are not just robots who are out there doing our bidding, but people don't want to think about that. They don't want to think about the seamy side. They want to feel like sports is this exciting, fair you know, battle to the finish, and those people out there, they're, they're sort of living out our dreams, the things that we couldn't do, but we get to see them do it. And you know what? It's artistic. It's, it's, it's engrossing. It's engaging. It's, it's something people get passionate about. So they don't want to have to think, well, there's a real ugly side to this, right? That's something that in our psyche, we want to put that aside. And so, so many people do. That would be my explanation. So you think we just massive, we're in massive denial? Yeah, I think just like the NFL that wants to deny their responsibility, in some ways, we are also denying our responsibility but as the fans, N- but the as NFL- spectators, as witnesses. Yeah, but the NFL knows it in a way that the casual fan 
perhaps doesn't. The NFL knows these injuries are taking place. The NFL knows it was denying the undeniable. The NFL knows that there are hundreds of millions of dollars that should be going to the players who made the owners billions, and they're not getting it. They know all this. Right. Where's the outrage? That's so. So what I would say is the NFL is so much more responsible than the average person. I'm going to take everybody off the hook because, you know, the NFL knows full well what they're doing. They don't care. If anything, they're, they set up a standard, a standard that's ludicrous that they should never have done in order to save themselves several hundred million dollars. But the fans have to be following enough of this. They have to read about these things. They have to inform themselves and say, hey, NFL, I'm really pissed off about this. You know, maybe I'm not going to watch that game. Maybe I'm going to write letters to the editor. Maybe I'm going to protest at stadiums. Maybe I won't watch as much football. Maybe I'm going to realize that there's something wrong about this. Or maybe that is not going to happen at all. Because as you were speaking, Duke Goldman, I was imagining a movement to boycott football. And was, my first thought was, that will never happen. It just won't. No. But, but ultimately, the owners make their hundreds of millions and billions and have franchises worth billions of dollars because the fans go to the games, buy the merchandise, pay for the parking, and watch it on television. If the fans didn't do that, the owners would, in fact, be more responsible. They're in it for the money, come on, and and for the glory. But if they couldn't win, if they couldn't make the money, the game might change. It might. So I'm not sure it is a wise idea to take ourselves off the hook. Maybe we should bear the responsibility. After all, they're playing for those of us in the stands or whose eyes are on the television. I I can't dispute that either. I mean, you know, when it comes right down to it, if they didn't have the audience, then things would change. So it's incumbent upon us who have a microphone, so to speak, and I'm trying to do my little part, and investigative reporters are doing something, and I think now it's up to the NFL Players Association to speak out, and I hope they will in the upcoming weeks, and say, you know what? This is an outrage. We are furious. And guess what? We're not going to training camp unless the NFL changes this. You know, I don't want to put it all on them, but they can make a difference if they decide that they're going to take a stand. They've done that in the past. They took a stand when there was an original settlement that was definitely terribly inadequate. And the NFL Players Association back in 2014 um, refused to accept that settlement and got a better one, better than there was, even though it's not nearly good enough. So they need to act, and we need to bear witness. We've been speaking with Duke Goldman, sports and social justice expert based here in Northampton. The article that started this conversation from the Washington Post titled The Concussion Files, The Broken Promises of the NFL Concussion Settlement. Duke Goldman, thank you so very much. My pleasure. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.